comes a one-two pitch. What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to Sox Fan Pod, home of your 8-0-4 Boston Red Sox, best team in spring training, only undefeated team in spring training, and we're back, and we've got a, we've got a lot to talk about. Charlie, how are we feeling? I feel fantastic. Team's looking good. I don't know. Team Team's looking scary good, so I don't know. I mean, it is spring training, but they got high hopes right now. See, the thing about spring training is if your team's doing bad, it doesn't matter. But if your team's doing great, like this is this is great. Like it, it just fits your narrative. So socks are socks may never lose a game again. Um, but we've got uh we've got Nick here, we've got Caesar on his phone back from a, a one episode hiatus. But uh yeah, we'll just get we'll we'll just get off talking about this pretty scary Justin Turner moment today. Just wanted to give him a quick quick minute with the with the Justin Turner hit in the face by a Matt Manning fastball and was uh was pretty bloody on the field well I mean I think reports came out I think he just got stitches nothing was broken uh so that's a good sight um but Nick I got a question for you buddy would you rather uh shoot yourself in the face or get hit by a baseball coming in 95 miles an hour to the right to the dome dude what <laughs> what was that i mean considering that turner is living like i'd probably say the base i mean that is just an outrageous i, I don't even i i won't even i don't even want to know what Charlie, what's your answer my answer i'd probably take the shooting i'm not gonna lie i'd rather just get it done with quick right. that way i don't have to feel pain I, and i'm being genuine but about you die and and justin turner's like already like like conscious and normal bro do you like do you like need to talk i might need to talk to someone no, i mean a baseball would hurt a baseball would hurt. Baseball but would hurt very. Like a big. gunshot would hurt a little more. Well, you, you wouldn't, wouldn't feel, feel it. it. So that's the difference. But you'd be. Dead. I feel you, Charlie. Yeah. All right. So right. we're gonna we're gonna okay, we're so we're gonna moving off of this topic. <laughs> anyway, Justin Turner had 16 stitches and he has a lot of swelling. But according to sources, he is thanking God for no fractures and clear scans. Boom. That's like. That's wild. Great. Honestly, I was not watching, but I go on, I go on Twitter and just see like prayers for Turner. And I'm like, what the hell happened here? Like, no way he just tore an ACL like Gavin Lux. Prayers up to Gavin Lux, but what? Did you see the the replay eventually? I did, but like I think I missed how bloody it actually was. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you guys saw did any of you guys see the at bat live? I, I didn't see it live, but I saw it like 10 minutes after. All right, so it was a, what, like a 2-1 pitch? It was I know it was the fourth pitch of the at-bat. The first pitch was like at his head, too. Was it really? He, yeah, it was like right up and in on the, uh, with a fastball. And the weird thing about that is like Matt Manning is not a nobody. You know, he he's a top prospect. He, did he break into the, he's, the Tigers he, last He year? pitched like 30 innings last season. Okay. I thought he was like a nobody. And then we looked it up at work and we were like, wait, he actually has like – major league innings like no he's not bad he was like one of their top prospects and he he hasn't really panned out so far but like he's it's not like he's just like this scrub getting like nervous from the big stage no but like honestly 16 stitches and a possible concussion is by far best case scenario i mean you're looking at absolute maximum like three to four weeks i feel like um but honestly like 
I'm I'm less I'm honestly less concerned about Turner and more concerned about a guy like Paxton, Connor Wong, Brian, not really Brian Bayo, but like Will Abreu. We've had we've had four hamstring pulls or three hamstring pulls in like a matter of weeks. It's like I guess that this is this is the year of the hamstring pulls. Last year was the year of the back spasm, and it's just Red Sox training staff needs to get on their A game like right now. I don't think the hamstrings are too like concerning obviously it's not a great look especially with Paxton but they're down they've been in Florida that I mean they're probably not dehydrated like too bad but you got to think like they're sweating it's hot his balls down there right now and it's muggy in Florida like really bad um I was gonna say this time of the year but fucking always so like that you have to like take that into consideration when you think about it we you know, know we'll say too, I think Heim Bloom too said at the beginning of the year he's not adding more pitching after they got Kluber because he felt very comfortable with the depth. And now, like this is like we're seeing it. Like we're seeing like how comfortable he should have been because these three injuries that they got right now with Paxton, Whitlock, and Bayo, they're not serious at all. Um, obviously, it was it's alarming, right? Paxton, dude, I was feeling some type of way when that man was throwing, and Cora was hyping him up all week too, leading into that start. I was hoping he would sit like, I don't know, I was looking at like 91, 92. When he started getting up there, I was getting, I was getting a little, little, little jumpy in the pants, if you know what I mean. So I think this is like a real test. Like what we're seeing is is the depth of the rotation from the start of the year. So Joey, how are we feeling about uh, Pavetta and Cutter? They're probably going to be the four and five guys in the rotation. Okay, well, I'm going to start with the good one. Cutter Crawford might be my favorite player, like ever, because this guy goes out, he shoves every time. He's got a badass name. I mean, his name is Cutter, he, and he throws a cutter. He goes out there, he shoves every game. He gets screwed by defense, but he has been like, He's had like six innings, five innings, like one hit in spring training. He is he is depth. I mean, I hate Josh Winkowski, who just can't miss barrels. Suddenly, Josh Winkowski striking out three guys an inning, or whatever. And we've got we've got we just have young depth. We have Brandon Walter, who shoved. I love Walter. Walter's going to be really really good. He's going to be a major league starter, like back end. He's going to be an innings eater for us. He he doesn't he doesn't throw. He doesn't walk people, right? Is that him? Yeah, it's it's him. He's he's been excellent this spring. I'm trying to pull up uh, his stats so far for the spring, but he reminds me a lot of Paxton in a lot of ways. Where like I'm not talking about prime James Paxton because obviously he was like a Cy Young candidate, and I don't want to put that expectation on this this young this young buck. But Brandon Walter, he's he's got a lot of that in him. He doesn't really walk guys, and if you look at his stats from triple uh, a it's kind of the same thing right he was throwing uh, a ton of strikeouts didn't walk a lot of people last year when he was in triple uh, a with Worcester he only walked four guys uh, it was four guys in seven innings so small sample size but you look at Portland he pitched 50 innings and walked three batters Next I mean, time you just say, you say four batters he just he walked four batters seven batters all year all right yeah sure yeah. Sure, he walked seven batters in fifty-seven innings. I'll I'll take that. That's that's Chris Martin numbers right there. Our uh, our new bullpen guy who did walk forty percent of his career. He he walked five guys in twenty twenty-two, and he walked two guys in his first inning. Which I'm not like that doesn't mean anything, but you know, that's like usually 
strike throwers throw strikes. And I'm like, and you know who also looked awful was Schreiber, which was terrifying. Yeah. How worried can you be about Schreiber? Like, I try, I really try not to read into like these bullpen guys that are like, I'll, I'll give an example. Brazier just pitched his first game today where he didn't give up a run all spring, which is less like, you know, that's fantastic news. But then it's so like, I'll read in that. I'm just like, oh, Brazier still blows. But then you see a guy like Schreiber and he like struggles his first game. And he, he was the more concerning thing was he was having trouble commanding the strike zone. That's something to to be a little concerned of if that's continuing. Right. The velo is down, but like it's so early to, to worry about velo. I feel like you go so far without, you know, he's, he, he's throwing these, you know, high leverage innings, so many innings last year. And then he comes into spring. Obviously the velo is going to be down a little bit. I, I'm, I'm not as worried about Schreiber. I think with Schreiber, Charlie, I'll get to you in a second. You're going to, going to give a note on him is like, he was so good. He was not fluky. Like that was not a fluky reliever year. He was legitimately one of the best pitchers in baseball. And sorry, Caesar's just all over the place right now. Um, <laughs> um, you know, he's been, he was so good for so long. I guess it's fair to say, like, it's not just going to disappear. He's not just going to be back to his old Detroit tiger ways. Um, but like, or basically, I, I don't want him to be Wyatt Mills next year. I want him to be John Schreiber. Um, and so I guess I guess I was just, it was a little alarming because he was sitting 94, 95 last year, suddenly 91, 92 with no command. I mean, that's just a terrible pitcher right there. But uh, we'll get to Charlie here. So I was actually going to backtrack and talk about Chris Martin for a second. We saw his first outing, I want to say against... I don't. He he pitched pretty recently. I want to say like two or three days ago. I did not realize how big that dude is. He's about six eight. You know, probably two fifty. I just want to know: Does the height? Do you guys think the height makes a difference with like arm angle and where the ball is coming out at? Like, do you think hitters have a tougher time with like bigger pitchers? It's extension, right? Like you see that on a savant page. It's like if you're gonna like rear back, if you're gonna like pull back really far. You're going to get more velo. It's harder for hitters to pick up on. Wyatt Mills has like an 86. I don't I'm probably making that up. He has a high percent. I thought he had a high percentile extension. Um, so I'd imagine, I mean, I don't know that much about playing baseball, but I know about baseball. So I assume that that would make it difficult for guys to pick up on. You know, he, he looked really good in his Red Sox debut. I'm, I'm excited to see him in the bullpen come uh, opening day. I also think part of the reason you bring in a guy like Kenley Jansen and bring in a guy like Chris Martin is you are expecting a little bit of regression from a guy like John Schreiber. And it's actually, it's funny you bring that up about the height because uh, one of my friends who I've known for a while is a top 30 prospect in the St. Louis Cardinal system. And I was talking to him yesterday because he faced a guy who was six, nine. Um, and, you know, he went down swinging. <laughs> he went down fighting. Um, but I was talking to him about that. And he was telling me, like, it really just depends on the batter because a lot of the guys, when you have that fastball and the four seaman is coming from the top, it's a lot more flat than it would be as if you're releasing it from a lower arm angle if you're throwing over the top. So I don't really think it's like a like a make or break thing. I just think it's sick, right? We got this big-ass dude on the bump, and that's, that's an intimidation factor, and I like that. Between him and Chris Sale, we've got probably the tallest – two of the tallest pitchers in the game. I mean, I did not really realize this when I looked at Chris Sale's, like, whatever it's called, uh, 
baseball reference, he's 175 pounds. Like, this guy is legit. He's like, dude, one gusty day and he's gone. He's like, it's ridiculous. I mean, like, I'm 5'10, 5'11, you know, 165. And I mean, this guy, it doesn't really make sense. He is how tall is he? 6'6. All right, I'm 6'3", and I got, like, 25 pounds on him. <laughs> it, it, I don't understand. Let me let me confirm that. It's it's 175. He's 6'6", 183. 180, okay, 8 pounds. I wonder – I mean, still. I wonder if when Sale gets, like, tattoos ever, if they ever, like, fracture a bone because he's so skinny. We just you talked know, about talking, it, It's funny you say that because Chris Sale recently got a – a new tattoo, a nice transition kit. And, and he recently got a new tattoo. And it's like, if he was wearing a Jersey that said his name on the back, it's like the whole like back of his nameplate, And it just says sale. And the letters are just dripping blood. That is and the ugliest tattoo idea I could ever. Right. And it doesn't help that on his rib cage, he has a giant one that says believe. So, <laughs> Like I'm not gonna redo a tattoo, but is that like does that mean sales in all for this year? In all fairness, though, I mean, out of anybody in the league, who do you think would get that tattoo? Like, I feel like Chris Sale matches the depiction of someone who would get that tattoo. Josh He's just... Donaldson would get that tattoo. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He might. He also, might. shout out uh, Chris Sale. You guys remember uh, Brian Johnson? Was it was he wasn't he like horrible? Like. Uh, I... Well, in his Fenway debut, he did go nine shut with three hits against the Mariners, I want to say. But he was terrible. Anyway, he's now uh, coaching a team in Florida, like outside of Gulf Coast. I'm pretty sure it's like school, I think it's like the varsity team there or something. Uh, Chris Sale came to his, like one of their practices and like took pictures with all the boys. So Chris is a good guy at heart, all right? I met him. Oh, I don't know if I've said this. I When I was – in sixth grade, so 2018. That was like last year. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm I'm not. I'm not 22 like everyone else here. But um, so like not that long ago, when I was like not very old, uh, I was at launch this like trampoline park with like yeah. 15 of my friends, and in walks six six Chris Sale with his kid. I don't know how I've never said this on here. In walks Chris Sale with his kid, but he picks the worst day to go because it's one of those short days so like schooled out got out at like 11 30 and so all these kids are going out to launch so there's probably like 200 kids there just lined up to get a picture with chris sale and every single person there every single person there got a picture with chris sale i got a picture with chris sale he was super friendly in the like five seconds i stood there with him but uh he didn't didn't go on the trampolines did he because i feel like that would be a problem no that's a bad idea no he would I'm not, I hate the people that just constantly make jokes. Like certain Twitter pages are just like seven mile per hour wins. Don't put sale out there. I'm like, I mean, it's getting old, but he is a, I think, I think I can confirm he is a good guy, but you know, I would. Something that actually he, so after the game today, he spoke with TC and I had the chance to just kind of listen in on it and just like the way that the man like talks and he's just so happy to be back. And I think the way that he performed today really helped with that. Like he, he's just like super appreciative to like really be playing baseball right now because he had gone so long without it. And he was just saying like, you know, like it feels like just yesterday, he was a 21 year old kid in spring training. And now like 
you know, like time flies and now he's here. He, I don't know how old he is right now, but like, you know, like, and he was just saying, uh, that how there was just like moments that he wish he wishes he could have really, uh, appreciated more. So I just thought listening to that, listening to that today and hearing you guys talk about him, how you think like he's such a good guy. Like it's really cool because he does seem like such a genuine dude. Also today when he was pitching, I was like, I had no idea what to expect with his velo, right? Because I feel like anytime you're a pitcher and you throw a hundred for the rest of your career, you're going to have people talking about your velo. And that's just like, it, it's going to be what it's going to be. And today he was sitting like, at, he was sitting 93 and he reached back for 96. Like that was sick. He was feeling I'm good. really excited for Chris Sale this year. On top of that, I don't know if you guys saw, but he, when he was walking off of the uh, off of the mound, he was smiling after when he. Uh, hey, he was happy. He was very happy. Big, so. He felt good. He looked good. Yeah. Happy Chris, Chris Sales, Sales, a happy Nick Julian. <laughs> he could he could easily be like we talk about guys, you know, two pitch pitcher. Chris Sale can be a two pitch pitcher. Honestly, he can throw a ninety six fastball with run up in the zone, and then just the most disgusting slider you've ever seen. And that's that's it. You put him away. Done. And he can initiate soft contact. Um, but transitioning from a nice little Chris Sale appreciation segment, let's talk about this suddenly like ridiculously close battle for fifth outfielder between Rymel Tapia and Jaron Duran. Nick, take it away. I I gotta take on this. I've absolutely loved what I've seen so far this spring from Jaron Duran. Not only has his, you know, hitting improved and he's he got a real comfortable stance. He just seems like he's like really fitting in with the guys like that Verdugo presentation he did with the mariachi band. Like that's awesome. And then his defense has been great as well. So with that said, I really want Jaron Duran to start the year in AAA. <laughs> what? Nick, how could you think that? Let me explain it. So Jaron Duran is still a young kid and Cora said for, you know, ever since he's been up probably that, uh, you know, he's views Jaron Duran as a leadoff hitter. Right. And if you throw him into this Red Sox, like outfield right now, where you've Duvall, Verdugo and Yoshida, he's literally going to get zero playing time. So he's just going to be rotting away on the bench. Whereas if you have a guy like Tapia, I feel much more comfortable putting Tapia in that fourth outfield role where we're not guaranteeing him uh, or he doesn't really need an opportunity to develop himself because he sort of already is what he is. And we're not banking on that development. Whereas guys like Duran and Dahlbeck, they can utilize their time in AAA to improve, see more pitching. This way there's not rotting away on the bench. So when an injury does come to one of these outfielders, because it will, or when an injury comes to Casas, because it probably will. These guys will at least have seen live at bats, so they're not just being thrown into the mix cold, having not seen live pitching. And Nick, well, I, go ahead. With, with that being said, I mean, I've also liked what I've seen out of Ramel Tapia. Um, you know, I think he's hitting up upwards to three sixty uh, this spring. He has a home oh, run. Oh, Chuck, on. Chuck, it is a lot higher than three sixty, baby. Is it? Well, all right. Well, exactly. Well, he so went. Uh, he went two for two today with the bomb and a uh, a ground rule double. Yep. He's so, uh. Let me, let me find. He's currently hitting for us. He's hitting four twelve. Yeah, dude. So I mean, he's already pretty great defensively, and you know there were a lot of concerns about oh, his bat. Oh, I don't think he's great defensively. I think he is. I think he's above average. 
I mean, he has regardless speed, but he's one of those guys that just kind of runs in a random direction every time there's a pop up. So I he could be he is a better defender than Duran. I'll give you that. And well, I, I don't I don't mind him to def- like as a fourth outfielder. He's like fine defensively, fine. right? Like, yeah, no, yeah, um, go ahead, Chuck. With with regardless of that, I mean, there were a lot of concerns mostly around his bat rather than his defense, and the bat is kind of showing up this spring. And like I said, small sample size, so you know, still will be a test when he when opening day comes. But I'd like what I've been seeing out of him. Another thing too about Tavi's defense. Now that you just bring it up. He was 12th percentile outs above average last year for outfielders, but he was 83rd percentile in arm strength. So, arm I mean, there's so nothing really, there's not a whole lot you can take I away from that because strength. strength doesn't matter if you can't get to the ball. After, well, after kinda... watching Hunter Renfro play, and oh, just, yeah. he would make, you know, just take a horrible route, make a miserable play on the ball, and then just pick it up and fire it, just an absolute <laughs> missile to like the wrong base. Every time it was like infuriating. Hunter Renfro is like such an overrated defender, in my opinion. Like he'll make that unbelievable throw like once in a blue moon. Most of the time it's just overthrowing the cutoff guy, you know, trying to make a play at home. Like it was Hunter Renfro. Hunter Renfro Renfro had that had that sneaky play when uh Kevin Kiermeyer supposedly hit a triple, but he turned it into a ground rule double. So I really appreciate his defense for that. But being at that game, that was like an out of body experience. Like I you were there. That was like I've been to two playoff games in my life. Um that one and uh ALCS game one sale Verlander in the pavilion box. Astros win eight one. Oh god! And then Red Sox win four straight, and then win the World Series. But you know, I was in tears, of course. You know who else has had a fantastic spring? Is Jorge Alfaro. Fantastic. He's been. I think he's been fantastic this hitting, spring. Hitting it's atrocious. Well, I did say. I did say last podcast. I view him more as a DH than I do as a catcher. I'm, I, I'm not a fan of his of his defense whatsoever. But you, you know, he's hitting seven hundred this spring. I mean, that, that's unreal. That's and this is the guy who's going to be, like, seeing live pitching, playing competitive games for uh, the World Baseball Club. Like, I'm excited. You know, if, if, if we need, like, a, a fill-in guy, um, you know. Hurt, I think so they, he should make the big league roster. And I don't want him opting out with this weird opt-out thing. That's why I was going to say, like, Tapia and, and Alfaro for me are locks. Like, you need to get them on the big league roster for at least a month or two. Let them, you know – hit a buck 80 and then and then you can release them or, or dfa them or whatever because i just i would it would hurt to really see one of the, these guys go out and be a valuable bench player for another team because like a thing with tapia too is he's been keeping the ball off the ground and that is such a when he hits the ball to the ground he is like the worst like literally the worst hitter in baseball but like there's all these positive developments surrounding him and alfaro i'm like there's no way i want the red Sox just saying all right You've had a great spring, but we're going to let Bobby Dahlbeck rip some more. Rip and some another more. thing is Connor Wong hurt his hamstring. That's another injury we're not yeah. talking about, right? So, uh, and, and just for people who don't know, Alfaro is one of these contracts where if he's not promoted to the big league roster within the first 30 days, then he gets to elect for free agency. Uh, I think Michael Chavis has that with the Nationals too. Uh, so I, I agree with you. I think Alfaro is a lock. For Ice him. horse, Michael Chavis. Wow. That was a weird era in Red Sox baseball. It was a great era. Does anyone have any takes on the guy who beat out Michael Chavis, Christian Arroyo? I love Christian Arroyo. 
I'm all in for Arroyo to start the season at second base. I he met looks, him at Chipotle like a week ago, like <laughs> a couple months ago. He looks extremely good in spring training. He looks like he's been there before. He looks very comfortable in the position, and he's hitting tanks. Like, there's nothing more I could ask from him. He is the nicest Red Sox. He's probably the nicest Red Sox player I've ever met. Like, met him at Chipotle, asked him for a picture. Then at the Red Sox fan photo day, asked him what his order was. He remembered me. He was so, so friendly, so outgoing. I mean, I'm with Caesar here. Could not be more comfortable, more happy sliding him in. Um, at when he camp. plays, he's he's good when he plays. The only problem is obviously like he has the injury problems. But I all right, so I don't remember the exact dates, but sometime last season, I believe it was in August, late August. Arroyo was on fire on like a crazy hitting streak. And I'm excited to see that because he's going to do it again. I'm, I love Christian Arroyo. I'm Last thing about Arroyo, he was, he was a first round pick. The talent's always been there. When he was with the Giants and he came up, that was a big deal. And now this is his ninth year in the big leagues and the total amount he gained. All right, let, let's try this out. He's the 162 game season. Obviously 2020 was fucked because of COVID. How many games would you guys guess the Royals played in eight years? 450. Eight years? Eight years. Jesus. Yeah, that also just sounds crazy. He's eight years. Like 300? Man, I I have no idea. He's only played 233 games in eight years. That's a good guess. That's decent. I will be wrong. But last year, (laughs) if you take away, like last year he played eight. 87 games with the Red Sox. A year before he played 57. The the six years before that, he played 85 games total. I mean, that that's unreal. You know, this Poor guy's guy. just like never been able to stay healthy. If he if he's able to stay healthy, the town's there. And I'm comfortable well, okay. with that starting. To be fair, to be fair, yes, he has the injury history, but he was never like a full-blown starter for the Sox. So like a good amount of those games, he just didn't play. I think it comes down to like they have to they have to manage his usage because there is no way like Christian Royal has never played more than like half a season. You cannot trot him out there and have him be a starter every game because he will probably get hurt because you know that amount of that amount of energy injuries takes a toll on the body. So I'm like, you know, go and trot him out two every three games. Let Mondesi kind of work in, not as a backup, but you know, really platoon them. And then if you can get a hundred and 10 games out of Arroyo, that's huge. If you can keep him healthy over the season, maybe max one little hammy thing if that's the deal. And that's a great season for him. Well, with uh, with Mondesi and Arroyo, I had a question for you guys. Arroyo. Uh, what? <laughs> Arroyo. I love Arroyo. him. All right, yeah. Um, so when Mondesi and, and uh, Trevor Story eventually gets better, who do you think gets the start at short second? Uh, TK story. TK short story. Story will play second base. Is that, that, where, does that, where does that put Arroyo or uh, Mondesi? Is that a Nick Yulian opinion or a Red Sox front office uh, like little tidbit? Trevor Story is a second baseman. Thank you. Whew. You heard it here first. Do not let him play shortstop, please. Trevor Story is second baseman. I think Kike is like so flexible, and I think you're going to see it this year when Mondesi is back. 
Like you, there are going to be games where Kike will play center. There will be games where he's playing short. He's going to start the year short. Although I do think, Joe, I think it's a little unrealistic to think that a Royal's going to get this time off come the beginning of the year. He's going to need to be an everyday guy. Mm-hmm. Just and Montessi's just not going to be ready. And we're talking about a Royal's injuries. Montessi's are significantly worse. He's only played over 75 games twice. No, that's what he- I'm saying. You play, you play Royal for two every, every three games, and then – Montezzi only has to play a third of the year. And there you go. I, I know, but like to start the year, they're not going to have that luxury because Montezzi is going to start the year injured. Let's just so start out Yu Chang. Let's just start Yu Chang. It, it, <laughs> might, it, it seriously might be Yu Chang, right? Yu Chang is so bad, but he, he's likable. I don't know why. His name is Yu. So I always comment on his Twitter, like, I love you. And it's just, it always makes me crack up every time. So I just, I love you, you. All right. This is, this is so off topic. But have you guys seen what John Morant's real name is? Demetrius. Demetrius. John Mor- I hate. I, I... Anyway, that, that's total, total <laughs> other side. That came out of left field, Nick. That came out of left I know. field. I like right. left You're field. the one who's shooting rather get in the face. Like, shooting the in the face or getting hit. Yeah. Hey, it, yeah. I, I guess I, I have no room to, to uh, argue with that. I can't. But I mean, it's a good, it's a good conversation. It's not. No, it is, it is because I take the shooting a hundred. Let's not talk about. Let's not. Let's not. Let's not right, talk we, about. We have we have shooting in the face last, last time. Shooting in the face, John Morant. Caesar, you got anything totally random to say? Like just absolutely no relation. My favorite cake flavor is vanilla. That's where you have it. Disagree. All my homies Nick. hate chocolate. Nick. I had sex last night. Wow. All right. Who's the lucky man? <laughs> Sunday night. There he goes. Big day. Nothing wrong with that. Twenty twenty three. Going back, going back to baseball talk, and let's 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 be a little re- more realistic here. Uh, uh, Joey, you said the nicest person you met was uh at, at Chipotle. You said it was a Royo, right? I would yeah. like to say the nicest person I met on the Boston Red Sox was. Brock Holt of the 2018 World Series Red Boston Red Sox. He was the nicest guy. I met him at Progressive. Generally is like the nicest dude ever. No, he's amazing. He's incredible. All right, enough of the nice guys. You guys have any good uh, guys who are just a-hole stories? I, I just do not like Nick Pavetta at all. Oh, my God. This guy absolutely grinds my gears because I don't know. Like, I just cannot fathom how people – like, if I'm going to go on a rant here, I'm writing an article right now for Beyond the Monster – about how much I just despise Nick Pavetta. Like this dude is 30 years old, has never had a good season, has one decent pitch, th- only eats innings. He has never had a good season. He's never had an ERA under four or five. He just, he does his stupid little scream after the mound, which is just like a lesser version of the John Schreiber scream. He's had one good playoff moment, which was three innings in the ALDS. It was huge. But since then, he low-key got bailed. I didn't mean to say low-key. That's that's the 16-year-old me talking. But he got bailed by, you know, that, that Kiermaier double. He got bailed by a couple of questionable calls in that game. I'm like, Nick Bavetta, just get him off the team. Trade him. We don't need him. We don't even eat innings on a competitive baseball team. Like, just, I don't know why. He seems like a prick to me. Going like, back to Nick's question, I think he's a nice guy. I think he's a nice guy. He's just not that he, great of a baseball. What has Nick Pavetta <laughs> done to make you feel like he's a nice guy? 
Nothing. What has he done that that makes you think he's a horrible guy? He's bad. That doesn't make him a bad person. But I I don't know. I just I, something about him. Like he's he's Canadian. I don't know. <laughs> if anything, he's <laughs> the nicest guy on the team because he's Canadian. Uh, I don't That's know. such I a good like point. There was all that talk about like the the veteran pitcher that may or may not be still on the still be on the team, and there's not that many veteran pitchers that were on the team last year other than Brazier, and like you know. It was. It was. Pathetic. I mean, how outrageous would that be if it was Brazier? Bra- <laughs> Brazier and Caleb Ort. I mean, Caleb Ort. I don't like Caleb Ort either. But, but someone else can rant about Caleb Ort. I- I'm not going to. <laughs> I mean, he is truly. You not- guys, you guys talk amongst yourselves, and like in three minutes, come back to me, and I'll have a Caleb Ort rant. Ah. Uh, uh, favorite Fenway food? Not the kettle. I don't think, I don't think, think I'm one to think say, about your rant. Think about your rant. I don't think I'm one to to give an opinion about the food since I've only been there a handful of times. Uh, but I had a couple of their glizzies and they were kind of tasty. So I don't, I'm gonna have to say the the Fenway dog. But very basic answer, Caesar. So it's it's uh, not in Fenway specifically. I'd like the sausage and peppers outside of Fenway. Those are the best food in the Fenway area, and that is the correct answer. Those are like $16. I had two back-to-back when I was drunk once. Are you talking about them? There's one guy in the red stand who's like, I I don't know. There's this one guy, and my brother always buys one from him every single time because he always feels bad for him because he just has no business, and his sausages are like $5 more expensive than everybody else's, and he just always buys them. I'm a big um pulled pork sandwich from the king's hawaiian stand i've tried like practically all the food there and i don't even eat at family most of the time because it's just too expensive and i'm getting nine dollar tickets anyway but pulled pork sandwich from the king's hawaiian stand right outside like bleacher 38 i'm gonna go on a tangent here but we're still speaking food miami marlins introduced a new food to their ballpark i don't know if you guys have seen it it is a sandwich a cubano sandwich 34 inches long, two and a half pounds. It feeds four to eight people. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That I just thought that was absurd. I don't know. Dude. Nick, you ready for your rant yet? Yeah, I can do this. You look, yeah, you look like you had your thinking cap on. Grant Williams just missed two free throws to win the game. <laughs> he missed, he, he fouled with four seconds left for the Cavs to tie it and then missed two free throws with 0. 0.1 on the clock. Hey man, we did this. We did this podcast during the game. Oh so you my god, dude! And you still found a way to wait. Isn't it going to overtime? Yes, but okay, all right, all right. That's so it's not, not all right, dude. Grant Williams is actually the worst basketball player I've ever seen. I think he's all right. <laughs> all right, so on this episode of Nick's Rants, uh, well, actually, before I get to my rant, real quick, the, the Test Kitchen, if you guys have been, the Test Kitchens had a great debut year last year. Basically, each homestand, they have, like, three new items that they uh, serve, and it's, like, random stuff, like Oreo churros and, uh, you know, like, just, like, stuff like that. One thing was, like, it's not like, it was, I can't even think of it, like a Cheeto dog or something. Like, some stuff's nasty, some stuff's good. You got to try it out and see what you think. Uh, anyway, let's talk a little bit about uh, Caleb Ort. So, 
I'm going to read you a line from his uh, Sox prospects page, which was, you know, currently he's 31 years old. So he's absolutely not a prospect. So he was originally drafted by the Yankees at age 25 and then was selected by the Red Sox in the minor league rule five draft. So we've taken two pitchers, you know, who have made it up to the big leagues from the Yankees in the rule five draft. We've taken Whitlock and we've taken Caleb Ord. So we are convinced that Caleb Ord is actually undercover still working for the Yankees because as you can read from his Sox prospects page, it says his command and control need work. He has overpowering stuff if he can compensate it, if he only gets to below average command. So let's talk a little bit about this below average command. His strikeout to walk ratio last year wasn't even two to one, was not even two to one. He had 27 strikeouts and 15 walks. Additionally, since he's made it to AAA, he's never had a season where he's had a sub 1.3 whip, which means every inning, it is more likely than not that, you know, one player will make it. uh, It is guaranteed that one player will make it on base. And it looks, it looks good. Like he won't be the only guy to reach it on in that inning. Additionally, he can't throw strikes. He can't throw, you know, he's no command for, for decent stuff. The only reason on the team is because he has, you know, he throws hard shit, but he has no idea where it's going. It's like a, a white Darwin's and Hernandez. So that leads me to my main question of this rant, which is, is Bloom racist for keeping Caleb Orr on the team instead of Darwin's and Hernandez? Potentially, because Darwin's and Hernandez was like, what, like, like six years younger. And he had control. I, like, no, he, okay, that's false. He did not have control. But I thought that Darwin's and Hernandez still had a little bit of room for development. And, like, the thing about Caleb Ort is, like, you can waive him and he will go unclaimed. You can put him back on the team and you can go out and, and bring up whoever you want. Like, there's just no way that any team is giving a 40-man spot to Caleb Ort. So I don't know why why they ever kept him over Frank Hermann. Um, I don't know why they ever kept him over Barnes even who they, I mean, they got Blyer, but like, I just don't understand what Caleb Ward is doing on the roster right now. Or is also two years younger than Chris sale. He's not like, it's not like he's like this young guy. That's ridiculous. Chris sales 33. That is not that old. Yeah. Well, Caleb Ward is 31. That is, it's not great for him. Red Sox uh rule five draft picks other than Whitlock like have always been terrible. Like yeah, but like is anyone like I don't know, like rule five draft, like the history of it, like wasn't Victorino a rule five draft? Something I, I've no right. Idea. Like I'm pretty sure like the top guys have been like Santander on the Orioles, uh Victorino was, Dan Ugla was. Uh, Marwin Gonzalez, Red Sox legend, was fucking hated that guy. Who? Marwin. Marwin Gonzalez. Gonzalez? Yeah. Least favorite Red Sox. Player. Josh Hamilton was a Rule Five draft guy. Yeah, pretty, like there's a bunch of the guys. I think Johan was Santana. Jose Bautista too. Oh yeah, he was Pirates to Jays. Yeah. Bautista was. I think it was just his birthday. Like, happy birthday, Joey Bats. My nickname through fourth grade Little League. Fun fact, yeah, he follows me on Twitter, and I'm not entirely sure why. What? Yeah, I don't – he just followed me randomly one day. No idea why. 
Let's years ago, pod. like years ago. My I most... mean, I could DM him technically. <laughs> My most fo- famous follower on Twitter is probably, probably Chris Cotillo. Mine's probably Joey. Mine's probably Joey as well. Yeah. <laughs> Hawkman Joey is not. He does not give out those followers easily. You've pretty much got to be on his podcast or have the steamingest, steaming, the most hot takes out there. <laughs> There you go. You tried. You tried. Rough sentence. Wasn't great. <laughs> let's uh let's move on here. Uh we're what time is it? 9:30. So we've got some time here. Um Nick is off the World Baseball Classic soon enough. Um independently. Uh Yoshida and Otani made their Japanese debuts. Um Otani hit two bombs, one off one knee, and Yoshida hit a Probably what would have been a homer at Fenway, a little oppo taco ground rule double. I am so excited to watch him play and for him to recruit Shohei to Boston next year. How did, uh, how did Lars Newtbar do? <laughs> Jack. He, got, he got a hit his first at bat. <laughs> uh, I, w- I will say, I think going back to a Royal real quick. Cora did shut him down from going to play for Team Puerto Rico. Like, that was pretty quick. Like, and Cora admitted to, like, a Royal talked to him about it, and it was just like, no. Like, if you want a chance to start, you need these minutes. But anyway, shout out. You know, Devers obviously represents Dominican, Kike, Puerto Rico. You got Yoshida. Diaz, What's that? Red Sox legend Edwin Diaz. You don't know Edwin Diaz? The Mets closer? The Red Sox minor league former Astro. He batted today. Nick, you work for the Red Sox. Are you kidding? Edwin Diaz? Edwin Diaz of the Boston Red Sox. I'm going to be honest. The only Edwin Diaz I know is the closer, so I'm right. Me and Caesar here here know Edwin Diaz. I got you, Joey. I saw him today, and it it honestly caught me off guard because I saw the name, and I was like, wait, what? He is he is a World Baseball Classic Red Sox representative. Former Astro, I'm telling you. All right, well, he's 0 for 6 this spring, so he'll be Red Sox for, for not long. I think they sent him to play in, like, single A. Uh, yeah, it could be. So I apologize for not knowing any spinner. I guess spinners is gone, any Greenville drive. Oh, I miss the spinners so badly. Race data. But, yeah, you got Verdugo, Duran in Mexico – Kenley Jansen for Team Netherlands, Alfaro for Colombia, and then we got Flyer and Sheriff in Israel. Team Israel is underrated. Team Israel is rated. Got Jacques in the outfield. You've got a really solid bullpen. Danny uh, Valencia and Ryan LeBlanc. So where do you see yourself in a year? Ooh, I just got here. What are you talking about? Bro, There's who is playing that? directions that I could take here at Fidelity, which is exciting. What was that? That was definitely not me. That was so not me. That was not me, dude. That had to be Caesar. That's what I'm thinking. Anyway, regardless. Also, you know who else is Caesar, was that you? No. It it had to be Caesar. You know who else is on Team uh, Israel? Who? Heaven Eucalyst as a hitting coach. How is Ryan LaVarnway is their catcher. Who is? Ryan LaVarnway. Huh. How was how was Ian Kinsler a manager and Kevin Euclid is a hitting coach? And Brad Osmus isn't even the manager. 
so so random and nelson cruz is the gm and playing like, yeah. what is like russell nelson <laughs> cruz getting a getting a contract getting one million dollars to play major league baseball this year is crazy to me that dude is so done he is like let him retire and be a great coach or be a great analyst or something like he has he's 42 he he like will never sniff the field and like, where is he going to bat? You just signed Matt Carpenter. You have like so many bats. Why would you sign? Like, they're just giving up roster spots at this point. You say, speaking of, speaking you say of Nelson Cruz, Cruz, though? Yeah, Nelson Cruz. He's, he's cooked. Okay, I am going to disagree with you on that, Joey. I think if he was on the Red Sox, I'd be very happy and excited for the season. 42-year-old I, I, Nelson Cruz? Yeah, 42-year-old Nelson Cruz. Age is like a fine wine, just like Justin Verlander. Age is like a fine wine. I, I can't tell if you're being serious or not. I'm being 100% serious. No, the dude has some pop in his bat. I, I like. I would seriously love him. Up to All right, so for anyone listening, Chuck has now been banned from the podcast. You can so if you join want, as a co-host. Wow. LinkedIn. This three-man podcast is going to go crazy. So Charlie can set a one-on-one with Nelson Cruz. Hey, it's about like shooting yourself in the face. Like it's just outrageous age for Chuck. Anyway, wow. speaking of speaking of people who who used to be great in the past, shall we dive in on this week's Mount Rushmore? As I like to call it, Mount Everest. Yeah, for for, <laughs> for all of our listeners out there, Joey didn't know the difference between Mount Everest and Mount Rushmore. There Minor mistake. Significant, significant difference. It's all good. All right, Nick, give us your your top four players from 2021. Then Caesar, then me, then Charlie. Well, well, why don't I why don't I start with a player who I know is hundred percent on all of our Mount Rushmores? Xander Bogarts. Xander Bogarts. Yep. Why don't we yep. just make it Rafael Devers too? Yeah. All right, Rafael Devers. That's two. Right. No, 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 no. How about we? How because we know Devers and Rafael are going to be on it. Let's do four different ones. I don't. I don't have Rafael on. There we go. Excuse me? All right, we'll, we'll get to Caesar when we get to Caesar. Let's start with That you. is worse than I feel like we have to start with Caesar. I agree. Actually. Caesar, go ahead. All right. Well, I'm going to make it short and sweet. Um, I have very minimal explanations for my players. Just uh, I just kind of felt that they'd be the right one. So starting off my Mount Everest, I have Kyle Schwarber. You know, obvious reasons. Game changer. I like it. Number two, Xander Bogarts. Wait, the team in batting average all year. No, no, no. I think he's no. They're just on. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, no, no. They're just on it. They're just on it. He says JD. Number three. I got Mr. Kike Hernandez. Okay, good one. Little Poppy himself. Underrated. Do not say JD Martinez. Then number four. Garrett Whitlock. What, what did Kike Hernandez do better than Xander last year? Other than Devers. defense. Xander had like a two war higher than him. Devers. De- Devers. Devers. Devers had 38 bombs, had like 115 RBIs. Carried the offense, won the, put them in the postseason against Washington. And we've got, we've got Kike Hernandez who had a great postseason, but – Come on. He had one of the greatest postseasons in Red Sox history. That's enough for me. He wouldn't have been there if it wasn't for Rafi all year. And literally Rafi in the last two games of the year. 
if they wouldn't have made it as far as they did if it wasn't for him. They wouldn't have made it as far as they did with Tevers. That's okay. Okay. I'll go. I'll 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 go now. So I I'm, I have to eject on a couple of these. Uh, well, <laughs> I don't even know where to start. So I guess I'll start with Schwarber, who played 40 games with the Red Sox, and he had that great grand slam. It was sick. It was sick. But, you know, this is a guy who only had seven bombs. You know, it's not even like he's – we were talking about, like, him over a guy like Devers. So, obviously, Xander and Devers are on that Mount Rushmore. I think anytime you make it – like, people forget, too, we needed a sweep going into Washington to just, like, have a chance at the playoffs. And then, you know, we ended up happening. So, you know, I mean, Devers had that huge game. 100% is, is deserving of that. Uh, I agree with Whitlock. He was absolutely nails that whole year in the bullpen. And he was lit, like literally was the bullpen that year. Like if you guys think about like, the other guys, Barnes was great in the first half. For sure. Fell apart in the second half. Couldn't even use him. Same with Ottavino. So our next like most reliable guy was like Robles. And we never felt comfortable with him out there. So Bogarts, Devers, uh, Whitlock. And my fourth and final is, is Nate Evaldi, who was the, the ace of that team, pitched amazing in the playoffs, and is a guy who also gave us almost 200 innings that year and is 100% deserving on this Mount Rushmore from 2021. Okay. I, I respect that. I mean, I'm a big Schwarber hater, so I'm glad we he was out of this. I'm going Whitlock, Kike, um, Xander Devers, but if we're not doing that, then probably uh, I'll go Barnes because of his how huge his first half was. Like, I think Barnes had an absolutely – we needed him in that first half. And then I'm definitely going to go – wait, Schreiber wasn't on that team. He wasn't. Give me a fourth. Why am I just – I'm suddenly blanking. This so I am, I'm out of this. They lost. They Grant Williams goes in, fouls Donovan Mitchell with five seconds left, gets fouled with one second left, sell, says to Donovan Mitchell, I'm going to make both, misses both. Celtics go to OT, get outscored like 10 to 2. Game. God. That's three in a row. But uh, All right, finish around, finish your Mount Rushmore. My uh Mount Everest closes with um Alex Verdugo. All right. All right. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Christian, Christian Vasquez. Christian Vasquez. Moon man. That great, that, that three run home run, listening to it on the radio because I had no Wi Fi. Legendary moment of my childhood. All right. I like that too. Draper's Designs. Here we go. Mount Rushmore. We got Devers. We got Xander. We got Whitlock. We're going to throw an audible, honorable mention to Schwarber. I know we got some hate earlier, and I said he was going to be in mind. I changed my mind. We're going to give him the honorable mention. My fourth guy, Hunter Renfro. Hunter Renfro, 31 bombs, 260, second most RBIs on the team. There you go. I like that. I like his swing. I love this defense. I loved how he threw the ball a mile away and I'm 99 miles an hour. Known yeah. great teammate, teammate Hunter Renfro. 
There it is. Hunter Redfro already like sold his apartment in Boston and was moving out before game one of the wild card because they thought they were going home. <laughs> hey, it doesn't if matter if you bring him. He was a like the worst hitter ever in the playoffs that year. Worst postseason yeah. I've ever seen. We're literally the worst postseason I think I've ever seen by any one player. I remember he had one double in Houston, and I, it hit the ball boy. It hit the Houston ball boy who didn't get out of the way, and it, like, screwed the Red Sox over because they couldn't get a hit all, like at all, probably all because of Hunter Renfro, obviously. And it hit the ball boy, and it wasn't a double. It was a single. And then the Red Sox didn't score because they just didn't score with two outs. And I was just ever furious. And that was the only decent thing that Hunter Renfro did all offseason. And we uh, all postseason. And that's also what caused us to see so much Hirokazu Sawamura, who was real close to being on my Mount Rushmore because I love that man. He was all right. He po- I think he posted, what, like a 3.08 or 06 ERA? He had like so. an absurdly low ERA. He was just terrible. Like the eye test like hated him. Yeah. He, he like did not throw a strike. Ever, he was just split on the dirt, split on the dirt, split on the dirt, and I was so excited about him getting here. But you know, twenty twenty Red Sox were a different time. Truly, well, just um, so you guys are aware, I did just DM Jose Bautista. I think yeah, let's get him on. Let's see if he answers. <laughs> Throw him on the podcast along with uh with Haim Bloom and Nick's Cardinal prospect. What's your what's your Cardinal prospect friend's name? Patrick Romary. Let's see. Let's see how good this guy really is. Patrick. Patrick. How do also, you I, just want, I just want to point out uh, Hunter Renfro hit 194 in the playoffs with zero home runs. They were talking about his RBIs. He had won all playoffs. I'd like to put on the record, though, that Caesar said Kike was on his Mount Rushmore and he had the greatest postseason that anybody has ever seen. And you argued that. So I don't know what you want. Nick. No, Hunter Renfro is a bad pick. That's a bad Honor pick. Was a bad pick. Yeah. Bad pick. <laughs> and no, no, no. I was fine with Kike. I was, I was, I was not happy that he put him over Devers. Okay. I'm glad that no one gave JD a vote. Like, I'm just glad no one gave JD a vote. That makes me happy. That that feels like this podcast knows, knows my players. Could you not be what? I'm actually going to change Evaldi to JD. <laughs> I'm you actually know, taking Alexander and adding JD. JD. Well. I, I really liked when he ran uh, into the outfield against the Nationals and stepped on second base. Uh, it showed a lot of grit that he was able to play through that. Okay, all right. Uh, he well, hit a he had twenty eight bombs and and he hit a home run against Tampa and a comeback win in the playoffs. His only clutch of the season, but he had a hundred RBI. I mean, the dude actually put up pretty decent numbers. I don't know about I don't know about Mount, Mount Rushmore decent. This numbers, dude but. is such a stat patter. It's hard to be a stat patter in baseball, but this dude hit. I cannot tell you how many meaningless home runs and like RBI doubles he got down nine four to the Rays. It was like that just happened so many times. I cannot like just was never a JD He's a rally Martin starter. Fan. He's a what? rally starter. Nobody can just fo- no nobody can follow him. That's it. I mean, I, I guess I guess. Devers couldn't because Caesar Caesar did not believe in Devers at all. Devers could not follow up. Devers could not do what JD did or what Kike Hernandez did at all. Um, but yeah, guys, I think that that's gonna that's gonna do it here. We're at a, a nice little hour twenty episode. Would have been 
like 10 minutes longer if we didn't have uh, technical difficulties, but we're back. Um, episode three, uh, we got we got to a lot of stuff. So Nick, if you want to say your new thing, go ahead. Uh, well, before I do, I'm watching Grant Williams' free throws right now. And they are just lying drives off the left side of the rim. Don't it's even like, bring this up right now. It is like not even close. Uh, hey, Celtics, Celtics lose, but Celtics this suck. is the Red Sox podcast of the 7-0-3 Boston Red Sox. As we know, all the teams with the best records in spring training obviously will have the best record in the regular season because that, that always happens, and we're ready to do it. So cue the duck boats, baby. Yeah.